Welcome to Wandering Through the Word. Hi, my name is Pastor Noah. I'm a pastor at Worship Jesus Bible Church, and I am joined today by Pastor Dad, and we do have one more special guest. Hi, it's Pastor David. Woohoo! Welcome Woo-hoo. to the podcast. Woo-hoo. Yay! This is our first time doing it with three people, so it's going to be really interesting, really fun. We're going to start with a fun little game, Two Truths and One Lie. I'll start us off. My first one is I uh, graduated from UCSB with a degree in physics. My second one is I played clarinet in middle school. And my third one is I'm able to recite the lyrics to 1520 backwards. <laughs> <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. guess that's a pretty obvious lie. <laughs> <laughs> By backwards, do you mean like just the word order backwards? Or do you mean you like the, the letters? Reading backwards. backwards. Yeah, yeah. Letters. I mean the ideas. I was born yeah. inside a mansion. <laughs> And life was all I'd ever known. That's all backward words. <laughs> now I'm doubting the physics degree too. <laughs> all right, I'll go next. Um, let's see. I'm majorly distracted because my cat is sitting on my lap right now. She just shook her head, and a little bit of drool fell on me. So oh, that's. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go through it. All right. Um, so my two truths and one lines will have to go through hobbies. So first. Uh, I have a hobby of collecting rocks. Uh, second, I have a hobby of collecting comic books. And third, I have a hobby of collecting bases. And the truth is actually, um, the first two are true. And then I don't play bass, I play guitar. Something that many people don't know about me is growing up, I actually used to go to the streets and with a paper clip and I would d- try to dig up dirt and collect rocks and keep them in my pockets. And then, um, it was always what? hard to do laundry time because I always had random rock. <laughs> you have a rock collection? What? I have a small rock collection. They're minerals. What? <laughs> your pants were the equivalent of pop rocks in the laundry yeah, machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, yeah, so it was like tack, 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 everywhere. And since I did my own laundry even as a kid, and luckily people didn't find out, but inside my pockets were dirty. <laughs> wow. Oh, All right, Pastor God. David, your turn. Yeah, um, for me, uh, I guess two truths, one lie. I wrote 1520 in the bathroom. That's true. I have a black belt in taekwondo, and I have two fake front teeth. If I had to guess, David's arms are pretty thin. So I'm not. Call you out on that fake black belt. (laughs) I I I got to get ready for a tough mutter. Wait, which was the lie? Uh, I wrote 1520 in the bathroom. That's the truth so or a lie? Wait. That's the lie. That's, that's the, the lie? lie? <laughs> yeah. So I actually do have a black belt in Taekwondo. What? <laughs> and I'm only Whoa. first degree though. So I didn't get much um, past that. But uh, And my <laughs> two uh, front teeth are fake. Before we move on, real quick, how did you lose your two front teeth? <laughs> <laughs> so when I was a kid. Uh, so I Does it have to do with black belt? No, it does not. <laughs> uh, but I was growing up in Arizona, and uh, we would like bike around everywhere. And then one of my friends got a speedometer for his bike, oh and so we God. got this fun idea of like, "Hey, we're gonna race. We're gonna see who gets the fastest speed, right?" So it finally becomes my turn, and I'm like, "I'm gonna blow all these kids out of the water, right?" Yeah. So I go as fast as I can. And according to your hobby, like there was a rock on the road that I didn't see. What kind of rock? <laughs> Minerals. And then so I'm going as fast as I can. I bump into this tiny rock uh, and my the bike just flips and I face plant into the oh pavement. My 
and my teeth cracked. And so I had to get, like, the roots are still there, but I have oh covers for those front teeth. Uh, that's that's crazy, man. Who knew that Dwayne Rock Johnson was an Arizona kid's teeth? All right, so with that, Pastor Noah, you want to introduce Romans 7 to us? All right, yeah. Two Truths, One Lie is a great icebreaker for today's podcast because we're going over Romans 7. And in Romans 7, we learn about the world's sneakiest and most destructive liar, sin. Sin is a big, bad liar. Sin is constantly lying to us. Sin is deceiving us. And if we believe those lies and follow sin, our life is going to turn out much, much more miserable. So to see uh, just how destructive and deceptive sin is, we're going to look at uh, how sin takes one of God's biggest blessings and turns it into even more sin through its lies. Specifically, we're going to look at how sin turns the law into sin. All right, let me pray for us and we'll dive right in. Dear God, thank you so much for giving us this podcast, uh, for giving us your word. I pray that as we dive into your word, that you will open our eyes, open our hearts to see what you have to show us today. pray that what we talk about today will be a big blessing to us and uh, it would help us in our walk with you and that it would encourage us in our struggle with sin. We pray this all in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's do a short recap. Where are we in Romans? All right, so in Romans 5, we kind of went over the engine of the gospel. And in Romans 8, which is many people's favorite chapter in Romans, uh, we talk a lot about the the explosive power and the enjoyment and the thrill of the gospel. Like imagine like a car. Like if Romans 5 is the engine, Romans 8 is the enjoyment of the speed and driving around like um, the highway. Like, And so like it's just uh, this beautiful like one-two punch there with 5 and 8. But 6 and 7 seems to kind of break up that flow. And one way you could understand this is that Romans 6 up to the half of Romans 7 is one section. And then the second half of Romans 7 is like another section. And the way I might summarize it is before Paul goes into the enjoy explosive power of the gospel of Romans 8, in Romans 6 and the first half of Romans 7, Paul is still trying to show uh, something. He's trying to show the law cannot justify. And so how we are freed from sin apart from the law. So the law cannot justify the second half of Romans 7 is almost like the law cannot sanctify. And so, and we're going to see that uh, later today in this podcast. So what you see is Romans 5, the engine of the gospel. Then it shows why the law is insufficient in our justification. And it shows how the law is insufficient in our sanctification. And finally, we go back into the gospel in Romans 8. All right. Thank you for the great summary. Uh, let's just dive right in. If you want to break up Romans 7 into two parts, you could break it up into verses 1 through 6 and then verses 7 through 25. Uh, and I'll just read this paragraph by paragraph. So first, we'll read Romans 7, 1 through 3. Paul speaking here. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person as long as he lives? For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Yeah, so that's kind of like uh, what we just said earlier. Like this this first section of Romans 7 can kind of be tied in with Romans 6, how the law cannot uh, justify. And what Paul is doing here is showing us why we couldn't be free from uh, sin and the law earlier. And it's because the only way we could be freed from it is through our death. And he uses marriage as an example. The laws of marriage are only applied to you while you are dead. And after you are dead, you are free to remarry whoever you 
or your spouse is free to remarry whoever they want. So death actually breaks the law. And so the reason why we could not escape from the law and of sin is because we were alive. But when we die to it through Christ, that is how we are set free. So once again, this is kind of carrying on the idea from Romans 6. Yeah, that's a great summary of this passage. I wanted to ask some questions to get us all on the same page. Maybe for those who are unfamiliar with this concept of the law, what is the law and what does the law consist of? Um, it's tricky because it can mean a lot of things. Um, but in general, it, it's general talk about either the laws that uh, Moses brought, so the Mosaic law, but it could also refer to the first five books of the Bible. And a lot of times it's used interchangeably, but just understand that it's going to have a similar concept. So once again, the law that's being referred to by Paul is the laws that were given to Moses or the first five books of the Bible. Uh-huh. And if we could summarize the laws, you know, instead of reading through the whole first five books of the Bible, if we tried to summarize the laws, how would we summarize them? Oh, thankfully, Jesus himself does that. Jesus says, love God and love people. But the problem is... Um, you know, as sinners, let's be real. We're not, we have very wrong ideas of what it means to love God and love people. And so, because we have many wrong ideas, God actually gives us these laws to show us the many different ways we are called to love God and love people. And to be honest, they're overwhelming. Like, if you've ever started a one year Bible reading program, most of it ends in the law because they're reading through it and they're like, oh my gosh, the law of sleep has now overcome me. It is difficult, but it's meant to be for good. You know, it's obviously it's good for us to learn how to love God and love people. But for our sinful hearts, we are burdened by it rather than blessed by it. Uh huh. I think you said something key there. The law is meant to be something good, but it becomes something burdensome, something overwhelming for us. That brings us back to Romans 7. Why would we need to be freed from the law in the first place? It's because it's become something that it wasn't meant to be. So that becomes a perfect segue into the rest of this section. Let's read verses 4 to 6. Paul says, Likewise, my brothers, You have also died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So we can see here, verse 4 is what's really pulling this whole passage together we have died to the law so that we can belong to another yeah and that's the key thing belong to another Uh, as we said last time once the spouse has died you're free to remarry and it's this idea it's not that after uh we die to the law you know like we become bachelors or something you know (laughs) actually we are remarried we are married now to christ and that's the key phrase in verse four we belong to another now we said we're going to kind of start transitioning to the idea of the law cannot sanctify and this is why the way we bear fruit for god is not through the law but through belonging to christ the way we bear fruit for god is by being married to christ so last week we said we have a new master but now we also see we have a new marriage and in this new marriage the old marriage was for us in the law and this old marriage we did not bear fruit and we only bore burdens and death and and sin and corruption but we have died to that remember we said last week through christ and now we are uh, born again and we are 
married, we have a new marriage to Christ. And so we are all belonging to him. And only through belonging to Christ will we bear fruit for God. Yeah, I think um, it'd be really good for us to kind of focus in on like what the purpose of the law was in the first place. The purpose of the law was was good. In Leviticus, if we're talking about Mosaic law or even the first five books, the purpose of it is be holy for I am holy. And the point of that at the core of it is that we are to be with God. So I really like what Pastor Dan is saying of belonging to another. That accomplishes what was initially the goal of what the law was supposed to be. And I think everybody can understand those that live out the law as people that belong to God and those that live out the law burdensome and heavy laden. And if we use the marriage example, right, there are those husbands that live out the rule of happy wife, happy life differently, (laughs) right? (laughs) There's one group that's like, oh, you know, I it is my joy to make my wife happy. And then there are those <laughs> groups that are like, I'm doing it to get by, you know. <laughs> um, and you can tell the difference of that. And so I think if we don't re- recognize uh, the point of what the law was supposed to be doing, we can fall into that second category, right, of just falling into, oh, I'm just doing it because, you know, I've been told to do it. I'm just doing it because, you know, it's the rules of doing it. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it was meant to be something joyful and it became something burdensome, something overwhelming. Not what it was supposed to be in the first place. That's that's what the law has become. So the big question at the back of our minds is how did the law become something burdensome when it was meant to be something so good? I think Pastor David gave us a great transition. It talks about it in the next section, verses 7 through 12. So I'm going to read those for us. So Paul says in verse 7, What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, Sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. So we've been asking this question of how the law became bad. Like How could something so good, like the example Pastor David you, uh, used earlier, this idea of happy wife, happy life. Like, How do we get these like rules that are so good and meant for goodness? And how do we turn it into a burden, into a law? And if you look at the Mosaic law, it's the same thing. These things are meant for life. These things are meant for joy. I mean, if you really think about it too, um, Leviticus, I know it has like a bad reputation. Leviticus needs a new PR rep, but uh, <laughs> a social media account. Social media account yeah, yeah, yeah. To get that Instagram likes yeah. and followers. Uh. <laughs> yeah, like, that's exactly what Leviticus, because Leviticus gets such like a bad rap these days. But if you think about it, Leviticus is actually supposed to be a very joyful book. I know people are like, what? Maybe joyful for like, I don't know, boring people. Like, yeah, Leviticus. like physics professors. Physics professors, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah all kinds of different laws. But yeah. um, if you think about it, because what does it mean? Leviticus is teaching us that God has given us a way to live rightly in his presence. And that's a very exciting thing, actually. Living with God himself. 
And, you know, and so there are these good laws that he wants us to follow so that we can enjoy life with him. It's supposed to be an incredibly good thing. Um, but people have gotten the, taken this law and they have turned it into no longer how we enjoy the presence of God into a you have to do this to be good. And so legalism in our hearts has really destroyed the purpose of the law. But on top of that, there's a bigger reason why we need the gospel and not the law. Why the theme of Romans is that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And there's another reason why the righteous shall live by faith, not by the law. And it's kind of like what we see here. When we find the law, when we read the law, we still want to do evil which is the next verse of where Pastor Noah left off. I'll read verse 15 for us. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Actually, verse 17 as well. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I read 15 through 17 right there. And so what we see here is we need the the gospel, not just the law. And the reason why we need the gospel is because ultimately, like we've been saying, the section is the law cannot sanctify. There's an example I I, I always like giving. Let's say uh, there's a person at our church. Um, his initials are L and C, and he drives really, really <laughs> fast. Always speed racer. He's a speed racer, you know? He just always loves driving really fast. And Obviously, all highways in America have like, you know, speed limits and the cops always pull him over because he's going too fast. And so now he has conditioned himself to whenever he drives past a police officer or he sees something that looks like a, a cop car, he slows down to like 65 miles per hour. And then once he's out of sight of the police officer, he speeds up again. Now, with that example, what I'm trying to teach you is that LC in that situation can follow the law but it doesn't make him love the law he can do what is right but it doesn't make him love what is right ultimately the law cannot deal with the heart of sin it can stop some of the actions of sin but it cannot deal with the heart of sin and that's why in Romans 7 we see even with these great laws even with these great rules it doesn't get to the heart of the issue and so we keep sinning we keep doing the things we hate because the law can never sanctify and that's why we need something greater yeah to summarize that you're saying that the law isn't powerful enough to change our hearts we need something even better than the law yeah knowing what's wrong doesn't make you want to do what's right always what's the solution where we as we saw in this earlier section and we're going to see it in chapter eight it's not we just have, oh, more laws to teach us what's wrong. We have to fall in love with a new way of life. We have to fall in love in a new way with Jesus Christ. And so it's love, not law, that ultimately changes the heart. So it almost sounds like Paul is doing kind of like a trajectory change of like who to blame. Like it starts off in verse 7 of is the law a sin, an accusation against the law, which is, uh, oh, then is this law the bad thing? But Paul is kind of doing like a paradigm shift here yeah. of yeah. completely saying, no, it's not the law. It's you. You're on a date with the law and the law is like, it's not me, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> this is like the anti-millennial like uh, ideals going on here. It's like you can't blame it on anybody else, but it's, it's you. <laughs> That's really... But I, I think 
yeah, just to kind of emphasize that, it seems like more than uh, rules, and if we're talking about the heart, it's not the law that's wrong, but it's the core of who we are um, that is really rotten and that needed to be changed. Exactly. And that actually is a paradigm shift as well. You see, Mm -hmm. uh, if you only focus on legalism and righteousness through law, ultimately it leads to the wrong view of self because wickedness becomes something more external. And you, you feel like if I follow this law, then I must at least not be that wicked. But when you realize that the law is good and I'm the source of wickedness, now wickedness is something internal. It's something inherent in myself. Mm-hmm. And I need Jesus Christ to fix my heart, not just my actions. So law is good, but we're the ones who got it mixed up. And so sin is almost like it's like taking over the law. It's like holding the law hostage and using it against us. Uh, I heard this analogy once. It's like sin has taken the doctor's scalpel, which is meant to heal us, and has turned it into a knife, a weapon against us. So how does sin turn the law against us? Uh, That's a really tricky question because there is so many different ways sin uses the law in the wrong way. Um, I guess I'll just focus on one practical one. Um, When the law reveals to us our sinfulness, like our inability to do it, I think that's where sin really wants to thrive. What I mean is uh, sin wants to make sure we do not go to the correct response. Like when sin, uh, when we realize through the law just how sinful we are, I think what sin tries to do is, as Christians, keep us getting to the, the best response. Sin will try to get us either into legalism, which is, um, while I'm so bad that I'm not keeping the law, God must hate me. Or, while I have done so much wrong, the only way for God to love me is for me to do more law. <laughs> or, wow, like, oh my goodness, everything is hopeless. Or maybe the other extreme, so not from legalism, but license. So sin might be like, hey, you know what? God's too oppressive, you know, like you just forget all the rules, you know, there are no rules, you know, nothing can hold you back. Just go all the way and do whatever you want. There are no rules. You're free, you know, and sin might try to take us another way. So I do believe that sin is trying to practically in our hearts after the law reveals our sin. I think sin's just trying to get us everywhere, but the right way. And what is the right way? Well, the right way, it sounds very counterintuitive, but when the law reveals our sin, the right way is to accept forgiveness. And that's so hard for our hearts. Like it's so hard for our hearts to just be forgiven. It's so hard for our hearts to just be loved by, by Christ. But that's the way we have to go. But yes, yeah, sin keeps us in every way from getting there. Yeah, so at its core, sin is a liar. It's lying to us about the law, the purpose of the law, trying to get our hearts to fall the wrong direction. Yeah, like I mean, like Satan is the father of lies and Definitely. And there's so much freedom in truth. Like, it's funny because we always think truth is burdensome. We always think truth is just weighing us down. But if you think about it, truth is setting us free. Truth is telling us, hey, you don't have to keep working. You're already loved. You're already forgiven, accepted. And so it's kind of crazy. Truth actually sets us free. Yeah, I think for me, um, I think one of the points that I really want to emphasize and kind of what Pastor Dan was talking about earlier was the biggest lie, at least personally for me, to accept is to accept that I am loved and uh, accepted by God. Because I think the biggest struggle uh, that I have is believing that God does love me and that's his heart towards me. Because I have the biggest wrestling with what Dan was kind of talking about 
earlier where sin lies to me and says, God hates you. But when we realize uh, God's heart towards us is only love and grace and care for us, uh, and we accept that, um, and that's the proper response that we have to go to, it changes everything. Like, for example, when I was younger, um, my mom, she's she's a bit of a hoarder. <laughs> and she's, she's a collector of, of various different trinkets. And um, she has this one particular porcelain or had one of these particular <laughs> porcelain trinkets. Uh, and me being a wild child, uh, like I was like climbing over our house, like banisters and things like that. And then uh, my foot hit one of the porcelain trinkets and it fell on the tile and it broke (laughs) and i freaked out right because i'm like oh my god my mom put this on display you know like this is something that she's uh she's Uh proud of Uh, so what did i do i didn't think to throw it away i put it under the couch (laughs) (laughs) and then so i love this my mom my mom has like uh at that time, she had an exercise routine where she would do like sit-ups, but she would put her feet under the couch to wow. hold her down. <laughs> and she would do sit-ups, and then one day she's she's doing that, and her feet touch something, and uh, she holds it out, and she sees that it's her little porcelain trinket, oh, no. and then she sees that something's broken. <laughs> and what do I think immediately? I'm like, ah, oh, crap! I'm getting I'm getting a, a beating. You know, <laughs> it's gonna be like. Uh, it's going to be real scary in the Yoon household for a yeah. little bit. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm going through that. And my mom drags me out, right? Uh, and then she drags all this, my sisters out too. And then she says, who broke this? Uh, and then my sisters had no idea this was going on. <laughs> but they weren't about to snitch, right? Uh, so, uh, But I knew that if uh, I didn't say anything at one point, you know, we're all going to get... <laughs> Uh, punished so uh, i was like okay mom like i denied it a few times but eventually i said okay mom like that was me Uh right uh and my mom instead of you know bringing out the clothes hanger (laughs) instead of uh she uh she was just really really sad Mm. um and she said why did you lie to me Mm. and then uh i told her oh I'm, i'm so scared that I'm going to get beat up. Mm-hmm. And then my mom told me, I was never going to beat you up. I was never going to punish you in that way. I just want you to be honest with mm-hmm. me. And that did a paradigm shift in my mind of who my mom was. Mm-hmm. Right? Like in my mind, I thought she was like this cold, hard judging, you know, loved this trinket more than me <laughs> kind of uh, figure. Um, but then I came to realize, no, she wanted our relationship to be something that was honest and true. Um, and it showed really my mom's heart towards me of, oh, she loves me. But I was so caught up in this this lie in my head that, oh, she's going to be so judgmental and harsh that I had a different response initially of running away from her. And I think that's kind of at the core of what uh, this is what we were kind of talking about here, the lies of sin tend to make us run away um, and try to forget uh, what God's true heart towards us is. And we have to remind ourselves the truth of God's heart towards us. He loves us. He accepts us. He forgives us. 
and He shows grace to us every time we come to Him. Yeah, that's a great story and a great reminder of why we should run to God instead of running away from God. Paul gives us a great illustration of what that struggle through sin is like, and that's what the rest of this chapter is covering. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and go back into reading the passage for us. Pastor Dan read us all the way through verse 15. I'm going to pick us up with verse 16, and we'll read through the end of the chapter here. Verse 16. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So um, this entire section of Romans 7 is, um, there's a lot of debates about it. Like, what is this section actually talking about? Um, Because the biggest debate is, is Paul talking about himself here who cannot do what's right? Is Paul talking about a Christian in general? Is Paul talking about Israel? Is Paul talking about uh, a Jew who is looking for the right way. So what's the subject of this? You know, I cannot do what I want. You know, I agree that the law is good, but sin is in me. Um, I don't have the ability to do what's right, but I delight in the law. Like, who is this mysterious I? Who is this mystery I that Paul is talking about? And um, nowadays, I see two major interpretations, at least, Um the, the most common one is that this is what we call a, the I is a struggling Christian um, or a Christian in general, Paul himself. And so this is the experience of all Christians that we want to do what's right and we cannot. The second interpretation that's very popular is that this is actually a, a Jewish person who wants to believe who Paul can also identify himself as well because they have the law, but then they feel that they cannot overcome the sin through the law. So those are the two really popular ones I hear very often. And I'm just going to go and say that in this case, it doesn't really matter which one of those two. Either one can be right. But I think for our sake today, it doesn't really matter for the sake of this podcast because we're just focusing on this idea of either way, the law, what we need for our hearts is not more law, but more love for Christ, more love for God. And the law can't give us that. And I would just like to just focus on that. We need more love for God and the law itself cannot give us more love for God. Yeah, you you can definitely see Paul's frustration with this. Uh, Verse 24, he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And you you can see him struggling uh, with this idea, like more law isn't going to solve me. Where's my hope? Where where do I go? Yeah, and you can kind of see where this is going because now it's tying in what we started with with Romans 7. Now it's tying in with next week's Romans 8. We see that 
it's not what will deliver me. It's not more law. It's not more systems. It's not more method, but it's who will deliver me. And remember, we started this entire podcast, I mean, of Romans 7, talking about we have a new marriage. We belong to Christ. And that's where Paul is going to bring it right back to because he's so frustrated with himself. He's so frustrated of his unchanging heart. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Verse 25, last verse of Romans 7. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but my flesh, I serve the law of sin. And so once again, he said, it's only through Jesus Christ. And yes, you know, like our flesh, it's still um, falling under the normal ways of our body. That's normal way of, of sinfulness. But Christ sets us free from that through love. All right. That's a great way to uh, start wrapping up our podcast. Uh, let's start thinking practically. What are some ways that we can apply this passage to our life? Well, next week we're going to go over Romans 8, which is kind of like the really uh, amazing, awesome, explosive joy chapter. So with that, we're starting to build into it. And uh, for us to really understand the amount of freedom that we have in Christ, we have to first understand the amount of uh, captivity we were in through the law of sin. And that's what Romans 7 is doing. And in a sense, it's also showing us how the law itself couldn't save us. Once again, what we need is love, not just law. And so with that, I guess a practical way to think about it is naturally we think of uh, living for God as what we said last week with the new master. But the truth is also, like we said in the beginning of this week, we have a new marriage, a new marriage with Christ. And I want to encourage people to see their walk with God as a new marriage with Christ. Um, as a married man, I can say marriage changes all parts of your life. There is not a single part of your life that is unaffected by marriage, by love, by love for your spouse. And that's how God wants us to, to live differently. The law can't do that. The law can't change every part of our life. It could change our actions. But love goes deeper. Love transforms more deeply. And love can touch areas of our heart that the law never could. What we need is more marriage with Christ, more love for Christ. Because once again, marriage will change every part of our lives. Amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to wrap up our podcast here. And like always, we love to give our listeners one or two ways that they can apply this passage to your life right away. Uh, so I'm going to leave this to Pastor Dan and Pastor David. Uh, if you guys could come up with one application for our listeners each, uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, uh, a practical application. I mean, we've been so conceptual, so it's kind of hard, but... I think at the core of it is that we're trying to understand the heart behind a thing rather than just the actions behind it. Um, and spoiler alert, like Romans 12 later on is going to say, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, and so some practical things is doing the spiritual disciplines uh, with the intentional heart behind it rather than just doing the disciplines. Um, of course, reading the word is good for transforming your mind, but uh, I'm going to be a little bit biased here, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going to say singing is is one very practical thing that you can do. Um, and you don't have to be playing the guitar. You could be, uh, you know, after this podcast, you can uh, play an album or, you know, put on a song uh, and start singing. Uh, because what it does is that it takes those lyrics and it it 
doesn't just put them into your head, but it starts ingraining them and transforming your heart too. It changes your mood, your emotions to not only believe it with your mind, but to start believing it with your heart. And so if we're talking very practically about how do I uh, understand the heart of God and how do I understand the heart behind the law rather than just doing the law, um, I think practically speaking, uh, singing is one of the greatest ways we can do that. Amen. Do you have a song that you recommend to listen to after this podcast? Oh, yeah. Grace and Mercy by uh, Kendrick. <laughs> just kidding. No, any, 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 any song. Um, I've been listening to uh, uh, just a lot of random things. Rivers and Robots just came out with a new album, which is oh, really cool. great. Yeah, they have a song called Author and Perfector, which oh. is an awesome song. So, yeah, there's a lot of great music out there to worship to. Man, thank you. Pastor Dan, how would you apply this passage? Um, so sometimes I give uh, practical ones at the end of the podcast. This one, I'm going to talk more of like an attitude thing that I want people to see. Um, one of the key things to see in Romans 7 that's so interesting is uh, Romans 7 and 8, like we said, Romans 7 is leading up to Romans 8 in terms of not just the message, but the theme, the feeling, the emotions. It's kind of like it's leading up to this explosive freedom in Romans 8. Uh, but in Romans 7, with all that frustration and uh, with all that uh, captivity, what we see is that there's an abundance of the word I, like me, 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 I, I, I. All throughout Romans 7, if you have a chance when you get home from your drive to look at the Bible, look at how many times the word I is used. And there's actually very, very little mention of God. And in Romans 8, it's all about God and Spirit everywhere. <laughs> and I, 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 me, me, me starts to fade away and there's so much freedom. And what I would like to really encourage people uh, today and throughout this week is to really reflect upon that. If our life is just filled with I, what what I could do, me, and just that kind of uh, mentality, we will be frustrated and we will be held captive by our failures and we will always feel confined and unable and just really frustrated with our Christian life. But when we start to forget the I, forget the me, and start remembering Christ, remembering the Spirit, remembering God. That's how we are set free. And so I want to encourage all our listeners to get through this week like that. Remember, you're not alone in this. You're not alone in life. It's not all up to you. You're not going to solve all your problems by yourself. You're not going to face the day by yourself. No, you can't just keep living I, 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 me, 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 because you're going to fall into the same type of frustration and captivity that's described here only when you really invite the spirit and god into every part of your life will you start to experience the freedom that we were meant to live in amen amen all right so those are two ways you can apply this passage in your life this week uh, i'm just going to give us a quick summary of today's podcast sin bad god good uh, <laughs> sin took the law uh, made it into something bad when it was meant to be something good but thanks be to god he delivers us from sin from the power of sin and we're going to see in romans 8 the amazing victory we have in god so that's all we have for you today i'm going to close us in prayer let's pray dear god thank you so much for delivering us from sin uh from the hopelessness of our situation when we are in sin. And God, help us to be f free and full of joy when we live for you, God. Uh, we want to praise you. We want to worship you. We want to have joy when we read your word. 
So God, please help us to find our joy, find our pleasure in you, God. Pray these things in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. 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 Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you guys next week. 